Welcome to the Principles and Practice Podcast. This is where we discuss biblical principles for life and learning. I'm your host, Heather Hall, and this is my co-host, Brian Hall. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Heather and Brian. In today's episode, we are talking about how to wisely vote for the President of the United States of America, other elected officials, and also we're going to talk a little bit about legislation. So how do all these relate to America's form of government? Well, firstly, I want to say that Rosalie Slater identified seven basic principles of America's form of government. We obviously have more than seven principles, but each of those can fall under at least one of those seven basic principles. So the first principle that she identified was God's principle of individuality. This is first because every single person is created in God's image and is an individual. Nobody is exactly like somebody else, whether they like it or not. So um, what we need to do is identify whether or not a candidate is honoring that principle of individuality, whether the individual is pre-born or born. Since that's our first and most basic principle, it's very important that that is honored. And that's also... Uh, and legislation as well, mm-hmm. and that's what we need to look up for when we're reading through all this legislation, if it's honoring the individual. And as citizens, we need to be reading through legislation that our legislators are considering passing because we have to communicate with them. We can't stay silent or ignorant of what they want to do. We have a form of government that allows citizens to participate in it, and it's a responsibility and a privilege that we have to do that. So with those, these principles, seven principles that we're covering, um, you know, there's the principle and there's also a counter principle. That's correct. So the counter principle to individuality is collectivism. Mm-hmm. And that's just, um, can be an uh, example that would be like the cookie cutter education where everybody must learn exactly the same thing and perform exactly the way, same or get the, exactly the same scores mm-hmm. in order to move on in society. Or even have, you know, the false expectation of the exact same outcome from the education that they receive. Mm-hmm. And so that obviously is counter to individuality because God has given each person different gifts and talents and sets of gifts and talents that they can use for his glory. So up next, we have uh, the next principle is self-government. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of self-explanatory, self-government, <laughs> where the individual is governing themselves. And um, as a Christian, it's Christian self-government, mm-hmm. so that we take our beliefs in the Bible and we act those out in our life. Mm-hmm. Right, and as a Christian, it's choosing to allow ourselves to be governed by Christ. So with self-government, he's governing in and through us, which comes down to having our hearts legislated by him. So legislation is important because then you have law and order. So the more internal self-government that somebody has, the less external government they have to have. And one equates more liberty. Mm -hmm. That's right. It equates more liberty if you have more internal self-government. But in order for there to be that internal liberty, an individual needs to be governed by Christ. 
Right. So the second principle is self-government. And in um, Teaching and Learning America's Christian History on page 189, Rosalie Slater has this to say about being self-reliant and confident. The Christian says, I can of my own self do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. When the state is supreme, the individual grows less and less able to manage his own affairs and make his own decisions. This produces the uncertainty and insecurity of our times. A Christian learns to be self-reliant by accepting responsibility as God gives him stewardship of talents and opportunities for using these talents. He is confident because of his faith in God to reveal his purpose and his will. Self-reliance and confidence enable the pilgrims to establish their local church, govern their local township, make treaties with the Indians, and conduct all their affairs without interference from any other church, colony, or ruler. So if an individual decides to give up their own personal responsibility and turn to the state to take care of them, then you see the counter principle of manipulation come into play. Because nothing is free. Nothing is free. It's taking from someone else to fund it, and that's going to be your neighbor. And then you have the government putting down stipulations for what you can and can't do. And so you're exchanging liberty for a false sense of security. So when it comes to legislation, you need to watch out for those programs that sound good and look like there's going to be freebies. But remember, America is not called the land of the free because of freebies. It's called the land of the free because we have liberty. We have the ability to be self-governed. So those people and you know that you see that are trying to offer like Heather was saying the you know the free things like oh you're gonna get this for free but you gotta look at what are you giving up to get this for free. Mm-hmm. It's not free because you're giving up part of your liberty to provide for yourself or your family. Right, and it actually ends up having a domino effect on other people, even if they're not participating in a socialist program. Because the money, remember the government doesn't have its own money. The money comes from your neighbor who is also working. And this is different than biblical justice, where God tells people to voluntarily give of what he has given them stewardship over to help other people. It's never to be allocated to the civil government to do that. So everybody ends up having less to work with to help somebody else and everybody ends up paying more into a program where oftentimes the money is misallocated. Okay, so next we're going to go to quality character. Um, obviously, you know, the quality character or the morals of the person. <laughs> Our morals as a Christian are based on the Bible. And uh, we need to look to that for, you know, when we look at candidates and legislation, if it's going to you know, promote quality character or promote degradation. Right. And this, I think, ties into that misconception about the president being perfect or the governor needing to be perfect. Everybody being perfect. (laughs) Right. Everybody has their flaws. Every human being 
is born of a sin nature. And so I understand the conflict where you feel like it's the lesser of two evils that you have to vote for. But again, it's not, for example, the president is not the president of the people. He's the president of the United States. Right. So you have to look at what are the principles in line with our form of government that that candidate is standing on. Are they in line with America's form of government? And if they're not, then you can be guaranteed that our form of government is going to be altered into something different. And that means that we're going to be losing more liberty instead of restoring and keeping our liberty. So um, the counter principle to quality character is degradation. And we see that with what is being promoted in the government schools. There's just no way around it. Well, not just government schools. And it's promoted in, you know, the uh, media Mm -hmm. and books and, you know, all around us. That's true. That's a good point. So everything comes down to the family. It all starts in the family. What are you nurturing in your home? What are you allowing into your home for literature or film? Um, What attitudes are you displaying? So the character of individuals is going to be reflected in the nation and then that kind of cycles through to where the character of the nation is going to also impact the character of individuals. It has to start somewhere. Does it start with the nation or does it start with individuals? If you have individuals who are not walking in Christ's character, if you have people that are not living morally, then what they produce and put out there for other people to absorb, which is their choice, oftentimes, right? Then you're going to be feeding more of that and then producing more of that kind of fruit. So Ben Gilmore has this great statement that he says where the product reveals the producer. And so then the more content of degradation that's out there, whether it's being taught in the schools or it's in the films or it's in music or literature, then the more that that's fed and the minds are producing that kind of fruit. And so that does affect the way that people tend to vote. They're going to want to vote for candidates and they're going to want to vote or, or have you know representatives that will pass legislation that just keeps feeding the flesh. So and Francis A. Schaefer talks about this in his book, How Then Shall We Live? He talks about how the character of the people affected the, the type of art that was being produced and then that in turn ended up affecting the character of the people good point so it goes both ways so next uh, principle we have coming up is our uh, biblical American form of government so the American form of government is biblical we have Bible principles that our nation is founded upon and our form of government is biblical we have the principle of representation which comes from that passage in Deuteronomy where the Israelites were told to choose from among them leaders. Representatives. Representatives. And also, Christ represents us Mm -hmm. before the Father. So then you have the three branches of government. We have the executive branch, the judicial branch, and the legislative branch. We can plan, we can do, we can judge. And this is something that we see that God does. So God is our king, he's our lawgiver, and he is our judge. So 
being made in God's image, we have those abilities too. However, we are not God. We are human beings that are born of a sin nature, and the Founding Fathers recognized the wisdom in separating those aspects into three branches of government instead of leaving them in the hands of one individual. So if we don't have the three branches of government operating within their proper functions, then, and we don't have candidates that are going to honor that, we don't have legislation that will be passed that will honor that, then again we run into the situation where our form of government is being altered. And it starts to morph into something different, which kind of ties into the counter principle to America's form of government. That's why our... Why our uh, voting is so important and that they have to match up with these principles so that we can keep our uh, biblical American form of government. Mm-hmm. Because the counter principle that threatens that is globalism. So if we, but every nation has, has a unique purpose and an individuality and it should be honored. Um, every nation can apply the biblical principles of government to it and still maintain individuality. So next we're going to go into local authority. Mm-hmm. Right, and local authority has to do with local self-government. So I think we're seeing in a lot of states where the counter principle to that American principle of local authority is being used. It's centralization. So you have governors in some states that are making all of the decisions for the whole state instead mm-hmm. of delegating it to more of a local level where the mayors are going to be making decisions and the city councils, you know, and the, and the citizens of that county. So um, another important thing to consider is that what caused Rome to fall was the centralization of government. The government gets too much power, civil government gets too much power, and that means that people have too little liberty, and that always causes a civilization to fall. We're going to go into liberty. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at candidates, you're going to see, you want to look at candidates in legislation that's going to protect our liberties. Right, and then you want to look at who is it that is going to honor the political union of the sovereign states allow the states to work within their functions the way that they're designed to do and not usurp that authority that the states have. Otherwise, what's the purpose of the states? Mm -hmm. Because they're all individual states, and that's why we have the United States and not just one nation or one state. Right, and we can look at it another way, too, where um, if liberty isn't honored, then the counter principle to that is social engineering. And social engineering can look... Is that the same as socialism? Well, it's related to that that category, that idea. Um, It could look like the government choosing your career for you. Um, it can look like a bus lane or a bicycle lane. It's oftentimes identified because people instinctively don't like it. So 
I'm sure people could probably come up with a couple of examples of what we're going through currently so in cur our nation. Current examples, maybe, yeah. I think so. Of social engineering. Um, so you want to look for the candidate who is going to be honoring liberty and not trying to social engineer people. And finally, the last principle we come to is uh, private property. Yes, and the most sacred of all property is our conscience. Mm -hmm. So, um, most definitely, we need to be looking for a candidate that is going to honor the private property, in both internal and external. Internally, our conscience is our most sacred private property our thoughts, our decisions, um, that's all internal property. And then, of course, our homes and our land and anything that we own that's external, that needs to be honored as well. So, yep. So you always have to watch out if the legislation is trying to take away private property or of any sort, mm -hmm. um, you have to stand up against it. Mm -hmm. And the same for the individual and reflect it the candidate reflecting their you know history of voting or their mm -hmm. you know their personal decisions um, relating to private property mm -hmm. right so I think what we see when it comes to legislation and parties we see a dichotomy so within any given party there's legislation that's being looked at and passed. And then with any given party, you're going to have two groups of people. You're going to have those that are cheering that vote on and saying, hurrah, my party is representing me. This is exactly what I want. And then you're going to have the other people in that same party crying and saying, they're not listening to me. They're not representing me. This is not what I want. I'm switching parties, which sometimes is a good thing. But um, why does that happen? I've thought this through a lot, and I think I figured it out. So, what is it? What representatives are supposed to do, whether they're in the House or the Senate, is they're only supposed to ever pass legislation that is in line with our seven basic principles of American government. That's what it means to represent Americans. It's not the wish list of people. So they're not out to like give all the freebies to people that want things. They're mm -hmm. supposed to be looking at the how our government was formed, how it's supposed to run, and everything that gets passed through the legislature should be in accordance with that. Mm-hmm. Right, so let's say, let's think of an example here. Um, okay, so an example could be uh, private property. So I go to work and I earn an income to bring home to my family to take care of my family. Let's say more legislation passes for raising taxes to fund a socialist program. I know a lot of people don't like this example, but this is the truth. Our founding fathers never made way, and wisely so, for the government to educate the children, to fund it. 
the history of education for schools was that the children were taught at home or parents pooled money together and they hired or fired teachers and they would be in charge of choosing the curriculum. Parents had a lot more say in what their children learned in either of those two cases. So then you get government funding started for schools and then you have everybody being taxed whether or not they have children in school, whether or not they have children at all, um, that they're having to pull the money into, they're being forced to put money into the government education system. So my private property is being taken from me involuntarily. They're not representing me as an American citizen. They're not staying within that principle of honoring the private property. This is different than um, what leeway was made for, like funding roads. That's not socialism. Expanding on this further, David Barton on his website wallbuilders.com says, Madison warned about the consequences of allowing Congress to expand the narrow meaning of the general welfare clause. So he quotes Madison. Madison said, if Congress can employ money indefinitely to the general welfare and are the sole and supreme judges of the general welfare, then they may take the care of religion into their own hands. They may appoint teachers in every state, county, and parish and pay them out of their public treasury. They may take into their own hands the education of children, establishing in like manner schools throughout the United States. They may assume the provision for the poor. They may undertake the regulation of all roads, other than post roads. In short, everything from the highest object of state legislation down to the most minute object of police would be thrown under the power of Congress. For every object I have mentioned would admit of the application of money and might be called, if Congress pleased, provisions for the general welfare. So Madison was cautioning Americans on not allowing the tax money to be allocated to things other than the very narrow definition of what the general welfare clause allowed for. So wrapping this up, the president is the president of the United States of America, not the president of the people. This means that it's not a popularity contest. You know, whether or not you like the personality of the candidates running, we need to be looking at who is it that will be honoring the principles and form of America's government. And we'll recap the seven principles now. Um, the principles of individuality, self-government, quality character, American form of government, local authority, liberty, and private property. We hope that this has helped you guys reason things through. This is such a critical election this year, and we really need to be in prayer for our nation, as I'm sure many of you know and follow through with. And we also need to be out there voting and voting wisely. So thanks for joining us, and we hope that you join us next time. As always, if you're looking for additional resources or support, you can visit our website at principalacademy.com, check out our shop and our blog, and you can also find us on Facebook at Christian Homeschooling with Bible Principles, also on Instagram under Principal Academy. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Well, this is Heather Hall. And this is Brian Hall. For Christ and His Glory.